Hello, I'm John. Today's reading is from book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, its two slave women, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. That is why, still today, the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket, because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. Well, today we continue uh, looking through the book of Genesis. We've had a week's break and uh, we're skipping a few chapters, so hopefully it'll all sort of come good. But we're looking from Genesis chapter 12 onwards, where we see uh, God's great promise to Abram that he would make him into a great nation and give him a land. And through him, all blessing will come, even to ultimately to the ends of the earth. Really what this is, is uh, an establishment of God's people in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. If you like, uh, this promise to Abram is hugely significant because it, it comes into a broken, divided and cursed world, the world that fell apart in the earlier chapters of Genesis when we rebelled against God. And really, in short, what this promise is doing is reversing the effects of the fall. So there's a gathering instead of scattering. There's a place instead of wandering. And there is a blessing instead of curse. And in recent, uh, the last time we were together looking at this, we were looking at Jacob's life. And we saw that God continues to fulfill his promise even through broken, sinful people. And also through frustrating circumstances and Jacob really was no stained glass saint we saw that he comes out of the womb grabbing onto his brother's heel and in fact his name Jacob means uh, he grasps uh, he supplants he he takes over from the other person that that should be what that which should be theirs he's gonna grab uh, he's a deceiver that's him and so, well, he ends up deceiving through the scheming of even his mother to deceive his father again uh, to get the blessing that his brother should get, Esau. And so it seems like he's living up to his name. Esau, when he finds out, well, Jacob's got my, the blessing that should be mine, he's, he's out to kill Jacob. And so Jacob, in the end, uh, flees off. 
uh, with the advice of his mum, off to a place called Haran, which is on the north, uh, sort of the top right-hand side of your screen. And there uh, he catches up with uh, good old Uncle Laban. Or, uh, and Uncle Laban is as deceitful and tricky as uh, what Jacob is. And he en- Jacob ends up working for Uncle Laban for one of his daughters for a total of uh, 14 years. Uh, he ends up getting another one of Laban's daughters thrown into the deal, which he didn't really look for or particularly want. But there you have it. What a messed up family situation. And there Jacob works for him. And he continues to work for another six years. Uh, in in Laban's uh, uh, farm and uh, through again more deceit and more trickery from both Laban by the way and Jacob Uh, at the end of this what was 20 years all up uh, Jacob ends up with a huge amount of flock a huge amount of stuff uh, for his working there so much so that Laban's sons start to think to themselves, hey, this Jacob dude is going to end up with more than what we have. He's going to fleece us of everything that belongs to our father. And so even Jacob noticed that, uh, that uh, Laban's attitude towards him started to change. So Lacob, La- uh, Jacob, true to his form, uh, starts to have a quiet word with his, with his wives and says, look, I think we need to get out of here. And at the same time, God actually appears to Jacob and says, you should go back to your hometown, back to your homeland, back to the land of promise. And so uh, Jacob, again, <laughs> true to his form, when Laban is out shearing the sheep one, uh, one well, not one day, he was out there shearing his sheep on a, on a big round, uh, Jacob says to his wives, it's time for us to take off. And so they started to head back. You can see that on the dotted line of, of, of the map that's on the screen. He, he takes off, uh, really under secrecy. And Laban, when he gets back from his sheep shearing, about three days uh, after Jacob's gone, hits the roof. What's going on? How come Jacob's taking off with my daughters and grandchildren and all this stuff? You know, what, what, who does he think he is? So Laban sort of takes off after Jacob. Well, we don't know what he was going to do. Would he kill him? We don't know. But he certainly wasn't going to, you know, pat him on the back and say, there, there. However, the Lord appears to Laban in a dream and says, you just watch out what you do to Jacob and don't lay a hand on him. So when Laban and Jacob finally meet, uh, they, they uh, greet each other, they talk to each other, there's a warmth in the exchange and they leave uh, each other, Jacob heading back on further uh, and Laban going uh, back up. And so to Genesis chapter 32. Uh, where we see Jacob and his entourage uh, going further south. And you can't really see it on the map, but there's a little river there, well, creek, river, uh, called the River Jabbok. And it's this that they have to cross. And on the other side of the coming down, on the other side of the Jabbok River, this is the sort of land where Esau has been. So Jacob knows that he's going to meet Esau. And really, he's left one disaster uh, with Laban, and he's about to meet another one. And he's, he's quite perturbed. He's quite disturbed. What's going to happen? Last time I saw Esau, he was out to kill me. What's he going to do to me now? 
So uh, Jacob thinks to himself, again, he's uh, scheming, coming to the fore. He says, well, I'll send, uh, I'll send some servants ahead over the river to meet uh, Esau and sort of say to, say to Esau, well, your Jacob is your servant and he's coming behind us and he's got a lot of cattle and he's got a lot of sheep and he's got a lot of women and he's got a lot of female donkeys and all of this sort of stuff, you know. And, and, uh, and, and we hope, Jacob hopes, that he will find favour in your eyes, O Esau. That was the sort of message uh, that uh, Jacob uh, says to these messengers to tell Esau. Esau chapter 32 verse 3 it's a bit of buttering up isn't it a bit of trying to diffuse the anger I don't know if you've ever uh, ever done that uh, bought a gift uh, for somebody in order to sort of uh, make them feel a little well less well just maybe ease the situation uh, this used to happen to me quite a bit when I was working in engineering. Um, General Motors Holden, remember them? We used to manufacture in Australia, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, they, they would, uh, we, we had a lot of our machines and robots and so on with Holden. And uh, whenever there was a manufacturing problem of quite substantial proportions, Holden would sort of jump up and down onto my company and say, hey, you need to fix this. And so uh, my company would say, we're going to send our senior engineer from New South Wales down. And uh, that was me. And, uh, and that seemed to make them quite okay, quite happy. So I would get the call. Cole, you need, we need you down in Melbourne tomorrow morning at uh, first, uh, first light to be at Holden. And I would uh, go home and I would buy a bunch of flowers on the way home for my wife, Sally. And uh, I would walk in the front door with a bunch of flowers. And in the end, it happened so often, she would just look up and say, OK, where are you off to now? That was sort of the idea. But the thing was, I was trying to help the situation. I don't know if it really worked. I was trying to help the situation there by, by buying her some flowers. And really, that's what Jacob is trying to do with Esau. Sort of uh, put oil on the water, you know, try to smooth it all over so things was going to be okay. Now, these messengers come back to Jacob, who's on the other side of the creek, and uh, they say, yes, we've met up with Esau. By the way, he's got 400 men with him. 400 men so Jacob is packing it now and uh, in great desperation and in great fear and distress as Genesis 32 verse 7 says he prays and he prays these sorts of things to God actually it's a very good prayer uh, it's the first prayer that is recorded of Jacob saying where he acknowledges God who promises he confesses his own unworthiness of God's favour. He affirms God's past faithfulness. You know, when I passed this way before, I only had a staff in my hand. And look at the entourage that I have now. You know, he affirms God's past faithfulness to him in blessing him. And he, then he presents his request to God. Oh Lord, save me from my brother Esau. And then he confirms the basis of this request. And it's, it's God's promise. God's promise to, to be a blessing. God's promise to provide. And yet, and yet it seems that Jacob, although this prayer is a great prayer, he seems to maybe fall back to his old habits. He starts to scheme, he starts to think, okay, now I'm going to divide my camp into two groups. So like if Esau attacks one, at least, at least the other one will, uh, you know, maybe will survive. And, and then um, maybe, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send more messengers ahead with more gifts and, and, and there'll be a few lots of them and then, and then I'll, um, I'll have my wives and then I'll have my children and then I'll have... Uh, other stuff and then I'll be right at the back uh, that seems to be uh, the way 
he was thinking. And so his family and the servants and all his stuff crossed the river Jabbok to the other side. And he stays on the other side of the... He stays on the northern side. He sends them off to the south side. That's where Esau is, or coming from. And he stays on the north. We're not told why. Did he, uh, did he stay there because he felt he needed a bit of space to clear his head? Uh, was it a self-protection mechanism again? That would have been quite an odd thing, but maybe it was. Trying to protect himself. Oh, we don't know. But God saw to it that he was alone because there God is going to meet him. Actually, we're told in verse 24 that it's a man that comes and meets Jacob there. A man who comes and wrestles with him. They wrestle all night. We don't know if it was a violent wrestle or was it just a sort of like a, a tussle. We're not quite sure. But who is this man? Who, who is he? Well, as time goes on, it's fairly obvious that Jacob has come to understand that, that this is no ordinary man. This, is, this man is the one who can give God's blessing. This man who, even of himself, he says, this man, verse 28, is an encounter with God. Uh, Jacob will name this place Peniel later on. I saw the face of God and survived. So clearly this is no ordinary man. Many commentators, and I agree with them, is that this man is the, is the second person of the Trinity. It's God, it's, it's, it's Jesus before he came in the flesh. But it is God, he's meeting God. We see the power and authority of this man. Okay, he's wrestling with Jacob, but just with a touch, and it's a light touch. He sends his hip out of joint. Jacob holds on to him. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It's no ordinary man. But this is the place of blessing. In the midst of two great struggles that Jacob has, a struggle with Laban and a struggle that's about to come with Esau, this is the, main, this is the struggle. Because although he'd struggled all through his life in different situations with different people, this incident shows us that his ultimate struggle is with none other than God himself. The struggle is real, it's painful, it will have a lasting impact on Jacob's life, but in and through this struggle, this painful situation that Jacob was in, God is at work to bring about change in his heart and in his life and for the future in his orientation. Well, there are a few things to note from this encounter. And you think, there's four points to this talk? No, this is just as I closed. Just let me unpack four things that I've observed here. There's clinging, oh, there's submitting, there's clinging, there's confessing, and there's transforming. Firstly, there's submitting, and it's a submission to God. Jacob had wrestled all his life, but now he's wrestling with this one, and ultimately to submit to him. Because with a gentle touch, actually, this stranger, this man, dislocates his hip, bringing the wrestle to an end. Jacob is spent. He cannot go on. And the, and, and the, and the man touches him. The wrestle is over. And Jacob has nothing else in himself 
other than to submit to the one with whom he had been wrestling, to go no further with him, to wrestle no more with him, but except to hold on to him. And that's the second point, clinging, clinging to this one. Jacob said, the man says to Jacob, verse 26, let me go for it's nearly daybreak. And Jacob says, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob is holding on to, he's clinging to, he's pleading with this one for the blessing. In fact, this is what Hosea says in chapter 12, as Hosea recounts this incident, that Jacob wept and begged for God's favour. We often hear, and and by the way, this is happening in the midst of a great struggle, is it not? (laughs) Blessing. We often hear and at least think that the blessed people are people who have no struggles at all, who have it all together, who seem to float on life through life without any problems at all. They are the healthy people, they are the wealthy people, they are the good looking people, they are the people with a good hairdo, they are the people that have everything together. But here we see in the midst of struggle and in pain, the cry for blessing. I'm not going to let go of you unless you bless me. In the midst of frailty, in the midst of fear, there's a longing and there's a clinging to, a holding to this one who can give the blessing. And I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Surely this is something that we have to learn from. You know, we can be very confident, can we not, in our own abilities, in our own strength, in our own capacity, in our own goodness before God. But what God wants us to do is to submit to him, acknowledging we have nothing in the tank with him, and then holding on to him, clinging to him in the place of weakness. It's like the old hymn, Jesus, you lover of my soul. One of the verses, it's a great verse. It's a great verse that says, um, Other refuge have I none, hangs my weary soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me. Other refuge have I none, hangs my weary soul on thee. Have you come to the place where you have nothing in your tank with God but you're just clinging to him, clinging to the one who's the giver of the blessing? And we know this one is Jesus because he is the blessing of God. In him we have all the spiritual blessings as Paul writes in Ephesians 1. Well, there's... a submitting and then there's clinging and then there's confessing Uh, the man asks what's your name and Jacob says I'm Jacob now for us it means nothing Uh, that's his name Jacob Uh, but in those days uh, names meant a lot and we know what Jacob's name means it means I'm a deceiver deceiver uh, supplanter you know that's it And here Jacob, in a sense, is confessing. Confessing, well, we would say confessing his name. He's telling his name. But he's confessing more than that. He's confessing what he's like. Because that's exactly what Jacob was like. 
a deceiver. And here he is in weakness saying, yes, I'm the snatcher. I'm the grabber. I'm the deceiver. I'm the trickster. I'm the supplanter. He's confessing who he is. Yes, he took advantage of his brother's weakness and stupidity. Yes, he, he deceived in cons- conspiracy with his mother to, to deceive his father. He deceived him. He took the blessing that wasn't his. It belonged to Esau, his older brother. And by his own wits, he tried to connive and scheme his way through life in various situations and circumstances. Here he is. That's me. I'm the deceiver. And friends, if we are to seek the blessing and favour of God, we need to come to him with an empty tank. With nothing in our hands we bring, except simply to the cross we cling. And we come confessing. Confessing who we are. Have you done that? Have you come to to Jesus and asked him to forgive you? Confessing, yes, I am a sinner. And having admitted to all that Jacob was the deceiver, he was now able to receive from the Lord all that he was called to be. And finally we see here God's transforming grace. We see transforming. The man says, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and man and have prevailed you have survived and there he blessed him this man is none other than the giver of god's blessing how was it how was it that jacob prevailed as it says here how was it that jacob lasted with this man did did he last because he was somehow physically stronger than than this than this stranger no The stranger, when he knew that the time was up, it was almost daybreak, so Jacob wouldn't actually see him. Uh, That's another whole issue to talk about. Not seeing God or seeing God and then dying. Well, we don't. uh, There's a lot happening here, but we know the strength of this man by the fact he just simply touches his hip and it's out of joint. Jacob prevailed. He lasted. He survived. Not because somehow he was stronger or more clever or outwitted this one but precisely he prevailed because he submitted and because he hung to and because he pleaded for the blessing that this one could give and he did it this time not through deception but dependence not through sneakiness but submission Not through trickery, but trust. And there the man blessed him. That's how he survived. That's how he prevailed. And at this point, God gave him, like Abram was given, a new name. A new name. A name that left the past, in a sense, behind no longer a deceiver, but the one that had faced God and had survived. And there Jacob goes ahead. In a sense, we start to see the change in this man. 
Uh, remember before he had planned to have everyone go ahead of himself and hopefully with all of the gifts and all of the servants saying how marvellous Esau was and how much of a servant Jacob was to him and another lot of gifts and another lot of servants and another lot again and then finally women, children and all of the herds and all of the cattle and everything else he had and finally Jacob, no, now he actually goes ahead of them all in Genesis 33 verse 3 to meet Esau and in answer to Jacob's prayer Esau runs to Jacob not with a spear in his hand but with hands outstretched to greet to embrace to welcome to kiss to hug and there they wept and there they reunited The name, the place where God met Jacob. Jacob named Peniel. Because there I saw God face to face and my life was spared. There he was humbled. There he was weakened. There he was pleading for God's mercy. There he confessed what he was like. And there he was granted the blessing and he was given a new identity an identity that would live with him for the rest of his life as the blessing of God continued what we see here friends is the good news that God blesses sinful wicked deceiving conniving people like Jacob and welcomes them and gives them a new identity what we see here is the good news of Jesus preached and lived out in advance because Jesus is the blessed one. He is the eternal Son of God who came, yes, in the flesh, yes, and in weakness, yes, to meet our need and ultimately to provide blessing for us. And friend, today, if you're not a believer or follower of Jesus, then, then see this account in Genesis 32. See that God comes to meet wicked and sinful people. And through the struggles of this life, yes, by submitting, by holding on to Jesus, by confessing your sin to Jesus, you can be welcomed and given a new identity. A child of God. And you can receive the blessing every spiritual blessing in Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the adoption into God's family and a new identity and a new life and a new future. Will you come letting go of your capacity and your goodness? Will you come trusting him, a sinner, holding on to Jesus, clinging to him and receiving that blessing, that gift of eternal life that he will give as a gift but for those of us who are followers of Jesus well just some final comments and in some ways I've I've probably said all of them a couple of times already but this is a picture of how we are to live as believers as followers of Jesus we continue to walk in humble submission to the Lord Jesus Christ we continue confessing our sins we continue to seek his blessing 
and his transformation of our lives. And through all of the struggles of our lives, wherever they may come from, be them from our own sinfulness or stupidity or from God himself or from Satan to come and, 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 and trying to rock us, wherever they come from, we know this, that, that nothing is useless or wasted in God's economy. God will use every single one of them for his purpose and ultimately for his glory, even if in the meantime we have no idea how he's going to do it. And we see that in this incident with Jacob. And even if we still continue in struggle, as Jacob does, that limp would never leave him. Even if we continue to struggle, we know that the Lord is with us. And he will never leave us, nor forsake us. So friends, are you holding on to Jesus and waiting for the fulfilment of the blessing which will come about when Jesus returns and we're given a new body and we're entered into the new creation? Are you holding on to? Are you waiting for? Are you clinging to Jesus? I'm not going to let you go until that day when I will see you face to face. Holding on and waiting for that day of blessing may seem, and it may even take a lifetime for us. It may be very painful during this time. It, it, it may seem uh, like, well, we're drained by it. We're exhausted by waiting and holding on, but will you continue to hold on? Will you continue to wait? Brothers and sisters, this account encourages us in the God who promises and who is faithful to his promise. And in the book of Malachi, we have a great picture that tells us, you know what, we're in the darkness now, but there will come a day when the sun will rise, S-U-N, will rise with healing in its wings, and we will go out like young calves into the field dancing, full dancing and frolicking it's sort of like a picture of of the darkness and evil gone and of the new day dawned and and there will be provision there will be blessing there will be joy forevermore and it's coming the morning is coming brothers and sisters and the lord jesus christ will do it he will return and god will bring in the new creation and he is worth holding on to in the meantime. Let's pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one in whom all of the blessing is found. We thank you that Jesus came into this world, the blessed one, to provide blessing to us, the forgiveness of our sins, adoption into your family, a new life, a new hope, a new future. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have this great blessed hope. Help us, Heavenly Father, in the frailties and fears, in the weaknesses and struggles, that we would hold on to Jesus and not let go until we see, his face to, see him face to face. For your strength we plead, for your grace we ask, and we thank you that you welcome wretched sinners like us and give us this hope that is worth holding on to. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.